Welcome to People Who Wrote Books, a podcast about people who wrote books. I'm your host, Andrea, and I am going to tell you the stories of some of my personal favorite authors. Today's story begins when I was little and we got a VCR for Christmas. Now, you're going to have to stick with me on this one because I know the rationale like meanders a bit, but I promise we will get there. Okay, so we got this VCR, but we had nothing to watch on it. So we went to the grocery store to rent a movie. Because yes, in the mid-1980s, the only place in our town to rent a movie was this corner of the grocery store that they made into a little video rental place. It was very cute. And I picked out Mickey's Christmas Carol. We took it home and I watched it over and over in absolute amazement that I could pause and rewind a movie. But even as a six-year-old, I then found a copy of A Christmas Carol in our house and had to read the book because I needed to know the book that the movie was adapted from. And even as a six-year-old, I loved the book. And this began a personal tradition of reading A Christmas Carol every year. However, this episode is not about Charles Dickens. Again, stick with me. So recently on one of my personal favorite podcasts, The 3028 with Matt and Kevin, they're amazing. You should listen to them. On The 3028, they were talking about the Halloween tree at Disneyland and Walt's friendship with Ray Bradbury. Now, interestingly enough, I did not have Fahrenheit 451 as required reading at any point in my education, which is kind of crazy, right? So I didn't read it the first time until after college when I read it on my own. You know that moment after college when you realize you could select the books you wanted to read instead of everything being just required reading? Yeah, that's the first time I read it. And I loved it. And so when Matt and Kevin were talking about the Halloween tree, I was kind of surprised that I had never heard about this book. So I bought a copy, a used copy, of course, used books rock, and I was immediately hooked. This is an incredible book about the history and the cultural traditions around Halloween. And it's nice and short because I love short books. Anyway, now the Halloween tree has become my traditional Halloween read, just like A Christmas Carol was for Christmas. And that is why this episode is about Ray Bradbury. See, I told you we'd get there, right? Let's start from the beginning. Ray Douglas Bradbury was born on August 22, 1920 in Waukegan, Illinois, and his middle name Douglas is actually in honor of the actor Douglas Fairbanks. I, I don't really know why, it just is. Douglas's mother Esther was a Swedish immigrant and his father Leonard was a telephone lineman. And just a fun random fact, on his father's side of the family, he was a descendant of Mary Bradbury who managed to escape her conviction in the Salem Witch Trials. Now, before having Ray, Leonard and Esther had twin boys in 1916. They were named Leonard and Samuel, and sadly, Samuel died in 1918. Then in 1927, they had a daughter named Elizabeth, but she died when she was only a year old. So really, throughout his life, Ray had one brother, Leonard. Now, in Waukegan... Ray had a lot of extended family members around him, 
And he must have really enjoyed his time in this small town because in his fiction, he has a town called Greentown, which was inspired by Waukegan. Waukegan is located a little over 20 miles north of Chicago. Now, when I first started reading about this town, I'm like, wow, this is a really cool progressive town because Waukegan was known as an abolitionist community like way early on. They even had a celebration in 1853 for the anniversary of the emancipation of slaves in the British Empire. So I had high hopes for them. I kind of thought, wow, it's a really cool open-minded community. Unfortunately, they did end up with a lot of racial prejudice and violence in the 1920s. So by the time Ray was born, it wasn't quite that community that it started out to be. Now, as a child, Ray was an avid reader, and I still don't think there's any exact formula for an author. However, this does seem to be another commonality among authors, this early love for reading and writing. When he was young, he really aspired to be like Edgar Allan Poe. And I think you can kind of see that even though he didn't write exactly like him, you can definitely see that influence in his writing. And as a child, he also loved magic. There's this quote I love from Ray when he was 12 years old and met the magician, Mr. Electrico. So basically, Mr. Electro touched him with an energy charged sword and said, live forever. Of that experience, he said, and I quote, I felt that something strange and wonderful had happened to me because of my encounter with Mr. Electrico. He gave me a future. I began to write full time. I have written every single day of my life since that day. Yes. That's right. He wrote every single day, starting at 12. Yes, that's crazy, right? Also, this experience led him to learn magic, which he continued throughout his life. And I love when you look back, like it's something we have with this hindsight, right? We look back on these people's lives and it is crazy that we were able to recognize these moments when there's a spark, uh, pun intended, that inspires that person to become who they become. I think that's just really cool. As a child, his family went back and forth between Illinois and Tucson, Arizona a couple of times. His father was looking for work. And then they ended up in Hollywood in 1934 when he was 14. So I can't exactly figure out why they made this move. His father didn't have a job before moving there and it doesn't look like they had any family there. Obviously, their family liked Hollywood enough to give Ray a middle name after a movie star, so maybe this was just a dream to move there. Regardless of why, this is where they ended up. In addition to moving to California at the age of 14, this is also when Ray sold his first written piece. It was a joke that he sold to George Burns that George Burns then used on his radio show. Now, I have not been able to find this joke, but if anyone does, please send it to me. I would love to know what this first joke was. Now, Ray's first published story was in 1938, and it was called Hollerbachen's Dilemma. And it was in this magazine called Imagination! Exclamation point. And the story was about a character who could see the future and stop time which also happens to be my answer to the if you could have a superpower question. So I think that's pretty cool. And if you're looking at this as a timeline, 
Ray would have been like the perfect age to fight during World War II, but he was actually rejected from the military because of his terrible eyesight. So he just kept writing every single day. And you might at this point be wondering, like, how did he manage to just write all of the time? Well, there were a couple things. He did live a very meager life, modest life. Um, He didn't even get a driver's license. He just rode his bike most places or took public transportation. And he also lived with his parents at home until he got married in his kind of like mid to late 20s. So let's start. Let's talk about his marriage. One day in 1946, when he was 25 years old, he went to the Fowler Brothers bookstore and met the clerk, Marguerite. She went by Maggie. And he was smitten, and he asked her to coffee, which apparently turned into dinner and drinks, and they were married in 1947. And I just love the fact that they met in a bookstore. It is just perfect. Ray Bradbury meeting the love of his life in a bookstore. That's exactly how that was supposed to happen. And I think maybe, is this what like kids these days call a meet-cute? I honestly don't really know how you're supposed to use that phrase, but if this is not how you're supposed to use that phrase, I think it should be how you use it. So we're going to call it a meet-cute. Now, after they were married, Maggie got a job in an advertising agency so that Ray could continue to stay home and write. This was kind of unheard of in the 40s and 50s, but I love that that's what worked for them. And so they just did it and they were who they were. And I think that's awesome. At the beginning of this episode, I mentioned that he was friends with Walt Disney, but Ray was also friends with Charles Adams, you know, like that Adams, the Adams family Adams. So now I have this fantasy of a dinner party with Ray Bradbury and Walt Disney and Charles Adams. And how cool would that be? I just, that would be really cool. However, that is not the point of this podcast episode. So let's go back to the story. Now, Ray had a series of short stories called Homecoming that were published in Mademoiselle magazine starting in 1946. And they were about this quirky family living in Illinois. And Charles Adams illustrated these. Like, seriously, how cool is that? This is totally an aside, but as we go through all these different styles of writing and types of stories he was writing, I think it's interesting that throughout his career, people frequently refer to him as a science fiction writer, but he did not agree with that as his genre. There were many attempts to try to define who he was as an author, and my favorite is when he's referred to as a Midwest surrealist. I don't really know what that means, but I like it. In 1949, his wife Maggie was pregnant with her first child when Ray headed to New York in hopes of selling more of his work. So he was taking his short stories all around with no luck until an editor suggested that maybe he put his short stories together into a novel. And that is how we got The Martian Chronicles. His first daughter, Susan, was born in 1949. His first novel, The Martian Chronicles, was published in 1950. And then their second daughter, Ramona, was born in 1951. So I'm going to say, like, Ray was on a roll right now, right? Late 40s, early 50s. Great time for him. Of course, he continued to write every single day. And in 1953, Fahrenheit 451 was published. And then Maggie and Ray did have two more daughters. Bettina was born in 1955 and Alexandra in 1958. At this point, he just kind of did what he wanted 
to do every day for the rest of his life. Like he continued writing novels and short stories. He also started writing some screenplays. And of course he just another side note, another side note. He did all of this on a typewriter because he didn't like computers. (laughs) I just think that's fun. And he also helped his friend Walt on some more ideas. He consulted with him on the New York World's Fair exhibits. Um, He helped him with some ideas for the experimental prototype community of tomorrow. Epcot, like ideas for when Walt wanted Epcot to be an actual functioning town. He was helping him with those types of futuristic ideas. And then after Walt passed away, he helped Disney with the new version of Epcot, including Spaceship Earth. Of course, he helped design a ride about the history of communication. Totally makes sense and is really cool. He also pitched an idea for an attraction to replace the Carousel of Progress, which he called Yestermorrow Time Machine. They never did this ride, and I honestly don't even know what it was about. But based on the name alone, I think I would have liked it, right? Yestermorrow Time Machine. That's a great name. In 1999, Ray suffered a stroke and had to use a wheelchair after that. But of course, he kept riding. And then Maggie passed away in 2003, and Ray lived until June 5th, 2012. He was 91 years old when he died. So this means that if he started riding every day when he was 12, and he lived to be 91, times 365 days, and that equals approximately 28,835-ish days that Ray Bradbury wrote. And that made 27 novels, 600-ish short stories, and of course, some screenplays as well. He is buried in Westwood Memorial Park in Hollywood, you know, that, that cemetery with like all the celebrities. And because he you know, he lived to 91. He had a stroke. He actually decided what he wanted on his memorial. And his memorial says, Ray Bradbury, 1925 to 2012, author of Fahrenheit 451. That's it. He had this writer who wrote every day for 28,835-ish days. When it came to what he wanted on his memorial, his tombstone, All he really wanted it to say was author of Fahrenheit 451. That's kind of crazy, right? Like of all the things that he did in life, that is what he wanted memorialized. He must have really loved that piece and what he did with that work. And I mean, honestly, it's crazy. That work does still stand up today. It is still an important piece. It's not just an important piece of our literature from the past, but it is still part of our social commentary today. So I think he was onto something when that's what he wanted on his tombstone. I hope you enjoyed learning a little bit about Ray Bradbury. And remember, behind every great book is a person who wrote it. And in this case, that person fulfilled a prophecy to live forever. <laughs>